0: and welcome to another edition of Wizards Half. This is mini episode 48.5. These are the episodes where we get into, yes, the nitty gritty details that we didn't have time for on the main episode. I hope you enjoyed our chat with special guest Dan Larson from Toy Galaxy, as well as our frequent guest and collaborator here on the mini episodes, Chris Bailey aka at charlton underscore hero. Oh man, we just we got into so many interesting facets of what was going on in comics in 1995 you know action figures trading cards i mean even the swiping the swiping but you know we have a lot more to come on this episode of course i'm always about winning them prizes so it's time to get into cap's kooky contests Alright, this first one here says Fleer and Wizard present the Get Out the Vote Contest. Imagine getting to vote without having to hear boring campaign speeches or watching debaters do the never-ending debate thing. Heck, you don't even have to be 18 to vote in this election, and guess what? Your vote counts. You may even get to win some cool prizes. How to play? Just check out these Spider-Man Marvel Masterpieces images from Dave DeVries, Nelson, Peter Scanlon, and Dimitri Patelis. Decide which artists you like best and vote for them. It's that easy. We'll tabulate the votes and tell you in a future issue who everyone's fave rave is. Fave rave? (laughs) A few lucky voters will even walk away with a few snazzy prizes. Grand prize, one lucky reader who votes for the winning artist will receive the original artwork from that artist. And because we're so nice, we throw in an uncut sheet and a box of Marvel Masterpieces 1995 cards. Second prize, five readers will receive an uncut sheet and a box of Marvel Masterpieces 1995 cards third prize 10 readers will receive a box of marvel masterpieces 1995 cards after we tally up all the votes and figure out who the winning artist is we'll randomly select all the contest winners from all the entries but the grand prize winner will be selected from only the ballots which picked the winning artist tricky huh and spider-man is there hanging upside down on a web saying i just can't decide which is my favorite i look so good in all of them you decide for me Alright, now let's get into the voting rules, aka the fine print here. Contest is open to anyone except employees of Wizard Press, Fleer, their intermediate families, and the Green Goblin. You've given us plenty of trouble over the years, bozo. Ah, that's for sure. Alright, next up here, offer void where prohibited, regulated, or restricted by law in a manner inconsistent with the purpose and rules hereof. I eat my peas with honey. I've done so all my life. It makes the peas taste funny, but it keeps them on my knife. Wow. That that must be just some old-timey rhyme. Is that from, like, a folk song? I've never heard that, but that definitely is not, I don't think at least, coming directly from the mind of a wizard staffer. But if you were a big fan of these uh, Marvel Masterpieces 1995 cards, let me know, because I definitely did not collect that set. I felt like after the 94 set, I was like, wow, that was amazing. I don't think I need anything else. But I'll tell you what I do need, another contest. So let's get over to it. Yes, this is the Gen 13 Draw It Yourself contest. Jeez Louise, the new Gen 13 number one has finally come around and it was just as big as everyone thought it was going to be. What made it so big? A great story? Ass whip and art? That was part of it. Of course, 13 different covers don't hurt too much either. Unless you want to track them all down, that could take some doing. Which is why we're going to make it nice and easy on you in this here contest, you can win a complete set of all 13 Gen 13 number 1s, and that's not even the top prize. How to play. Just in case you've been living in a cave and haven't seen the draw-your-own-cover of Gen 13 number 1 yet, we've got one for you to gander at, right there on the previous page. Take a good look, because drawing your own cover is how you score this contest's nifty prize. We want you to draw your own brand spanking new, 100% original Gen 13 cover. Send it to us on any form of unlined paper or poster board, 8x11 inch size maximum in any medium you wish pencil oil crayon mcdonald's ketchup packet whatever the artists of the best entries will walk away with some cool stuff the grand prize one reader will receive a special draw your own gen 13 number one drawn by penciler j scott campbell and personalized just for you along with the other 10 cover variants and the two regular issues whoa That's pretty intense. Uh, If any of you have watched my video recently where I showed off those 13 covers as presented as prints in the Special Collectors Edition portfolio, did comment as I was wondering if anybody had ever taken the blank cover to have him or another artist draw on. So that's really neat. But second prize here, five readers will receive a set of all Gen 13 number one issues, the two regular issues, and the 11 variants third prize 13 lucky readers will receive one copy of gen 13 number 1 autographed by Brandon Choi J. Scott Campbell and Alex Garner you know what I would have taken any of those and I would have been super duper happy at this time Uh, it says get yours soon there's probably people who have already started now let's see what they have in the general legal info here contest is open to anyone except employees of wizard press wildstorm productions their immediate families and Ivana Bayul people named Ivana just don't sit to well with us uh, she was one of the bad gals in the gen 13 mini series and throughout the regular series next up here offer void where prohibited regulated or restricted by law in a manner inconsistent with the purpose and rules hereof you know they refer to freefall as tempestuous in gen 13 number one do you think she really is do you even know what Tempestuous means? <laughs> Testing our vocabulary, eh, wizard? All right, man, that, that's a really exciting contest, though. That That's one of the ones that's going to stand out to me for sure. But on to the next. Event Comics and Wizard present the Ash Real Life Hero Contest. Want to know just how cool Event Comics Ash is? Well, we'll tell you. He ain't just a hero when he's got his bad guy fighting togs on. No siree, Bob. He's a genuine hero, 24 hours a day, because he's a firefighter too. One of the many real life heroes who put their butts on the line every day for you and me. Now you can get directly involved with comic heroes and real life heroes at the same time, and maybe even walk away with some neat loot while you're at it. How to play? All you gotta do is tell us who your personal real-life hero is and why, in 50 words or less, is your hero a firefighter like Ash, a doctor who saved your life, that girly in your fourth-period algebra class who really blossomed over the summer? Don't be creepy, wizard. Tell us about all your real life... He- uh, tell us about your real life hero, and you can walk away with some neat prizes. Grand prize one reader will receive a run of Ash numbers one through four, autographed by creators Jimmy Palmiati and Joe Cassada in a full assembled and painted Ash resin model, part of a limited edition of only 200 pieces. Second prize, five readers will receive a limited edition 19 by 23 inch Ash lithograph, signed and numbered by creator's Jimmy Palmiotti and Joe Casada. This baby is part of a limited edition of only 1,500. Third prize, 10 readers will receive a copy of the fun-filled Ash number no. 1, autographed by creators Jimmy Palmiati and Joe Casada. Now, let's see the legal stuff that none of you people would read, even if we paid you to do so. Uh, I'll take a check. Come on, wizard. Here we go. Contest is open to anyone except employees of Wizard Press, Event Comics, their immediate families, and the artist formerly known as Prince. What the hell is your name now, you jackass? Like we can pronounce some damn symbol? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you gotta love it. Gotta love it. I mean, that was just fodder for every talk show, every humor magazine. Oh, Here we go. Offer void where prohibited, regulated, or restricted by law in a matter inconsistent with the purpose and rules hereof. Boy, my ankle hurts. I mean, it really does. Got any Tylenol? <laughs> so, I guess the uh, the writer of this particular contest text uh, was dealing with some medical issues. Sorry. And that does it for this edition of Cap's Cookie Contest. Quick and easy this time around. But we have something else coming up for you. Listen up, all you Bettys and Barneys. It's time for the return of the Gen 13 line. So on episode 44, Michael and I read the hugely popular first issue of the Gen 13 ongoing series as part of the main episode, but now it's time to see what was in store for fans like me who kept buying Gen 13 in the months that followed. So issue number two unfortunately found the book being forced to tie into the Wildstorm Rising crossover event with some generic bad guy in a horned helmet named Lord Defile releasing another helmeted bad guy, literally named Helmut, from a maximum security prison that John Lynch had put him in years before, allowing this villain to set out for revenge on the one-eyed mentor of Gen 13. Now, essentially, this issue is just an excuse to see the team in swimsuits. (laughs) It's revealed that Rainmaker likes girls when she gives Freefall a friendly squeeze on the tush, which was a huge bombshell at the time, leading to many confused and angry letters to the editor in the back of future issues. Uh, I remember reading this as a 13 Year old and having just my mind expanded in ways I could not have imagined. I was like, really? You could do that in comics? There are girls like that? (laughs) Lots of stuff I didn't know. Anyway, to be honest, this revelation kind of becomes Sarah's only defining characteristic for a lot of the series, which is unfortunate. She could be so much more than just her sexual orientation, but it was the 90s after all. So, in a battle on the beach with Helmet, who can basically roll himself up into a ball and burrow underground with his cybernetic armor, burnout of all people saves the day by playing his guitar really loud distracting the bad guy and allowing grunge to punch the button that knocks off helmet's armor i don't know why you have that incorporated into that kind of a suit but it was and uh, we see him in his tidy whities and for some reason he also has like green skin which is weird it's not explained anyway number two is kind of a filler issue but luckily there is a multi-part adventure that kicks off from issues three to five First, though, I want to talk about the covers of these next issues, since J. Scott Campbell is known for his fantastic cover art. Now, issue three features an Indiana Jones-style you know, movie poster homage, definitely aping Drew Struzan, who has done too many movie posters to count here, but uh, it's definitely in that style. A lot of tan, brown, and orange color scheme with floating heads and various figures in, in different sizes and perspectives. Now, issue four's cover finds freefall and burnout dressed as pirates with big smiles on their faces as they look out at the reader. It kind of has like a Goonies vibe to it. They're just having a fun time playing pirate. Uh, Finally, Issue 5 is a solo cover for Fairchild in a tiny loincloth style adventure outfit, which is pretty much everything that J. Scott Campbell is known for. (laughs) Alright, so let's get into the story here. Now, as Issue 3 opens, Caitlin Fairchild is searching Mr. Lynch's computer files for information about her father and stumbles on classified files, providing reports of a failed expedition off the coast of Madagascar where Alex Fairchild's dog tags were recovered. So she yells at Mr. Lynch for keeping secrets from them and rallies the rest of the Gen 13 kids to join her in getting information from an associate of Mr. Lynch's, Mrs. MacArthur, who reveals that she had sent out her own son to investigate the area and he has now gone missing. So the old lady agrees to bankroll the kids as a recovery team for this other guy. Unfortunately, while en route they are shipwrecked and separated so Caitlin ends up running into this hunky James MacArthur guy after stepping on a landmine that literally launches her into his arms at an airplane crash site freefall and burnout wind up as conscripts of a crew of wacky pirates while Grunge and Rainmaker are prisoners of the CODA warriors yes the same CODA that Zealot from Wildcats hails from they're basically the Amazons from Wonder Woman comics but in the Image Universe so So, since the Coda are a society of gorgeous warrior models, Grunge is immediately set up as a stud to impregnate them and help their society to grow, which he is all for, being that he is a horny young dude in the 90s. (laughs) He's definitely living it up. Meanwhile, Sarah is taken before the Magistrix, who is the leader of the Coda, and then earns the leader's respect by subduing some guards, but she's still put in chains in a dungeon and makes friendly with a lowly adopted Coda girl named Daphne. Now, on the pirate ship, Freefall is forced to cook for the crew, quote, who don't have a Baldwin among them, but she sucks at it and she ends up being harassed by the men, which is pretty funny. Uh, but Burnout, being a guy, is not given any chores and instead becomes friends with the captain, Lucius Morgan, who reveals that he fell in love with a Coda warrior and had a child who was then taken away from them by the magistrates before his lover was murdered for her betrayal of their laws. And uh, he aims to get his daughter back, but he just doesn't know how to get in there, how to accomplish it. Meanwhile, we get back to Caitlyn, who dons a skimpy warrior outfit made from scraps of her tattered clothing, and then she convinces MacArthur to help her free her friends from the clutches of the Coda, as Daphne then also decides to release Sarah from the Coda dungeon. Grunge, meanwhile, has his fantasy interrupted when an older, more bulky Coda warrior decides to make him her love slave. So, Fairchild makes short work of the coda guards as she infiltrates with her superior strength but this is all as the coda are gathering kind of in their center square for a blood ritual in which the younger women suck the blood of the magistrates from cuts on her body so they can become immortal. Yes, she is a living fountain of youth. And we then see that grunge has been tied to an X-shaped sacrificial cross thinking the coda are just getting a little kinky not realizing he's about to die Uh, He actually insists that, quote, these ladies were ready to knock boots when Fairchild saves him. So Burnout, Freefall, and the pirates then bust through the gates to rescue the captain's daughter and an all-out melee ensues in which Fairchild breaks a Roman column free and just swats away Coda warriors like flies. One of the pirate crew manages to catch the magistrics and threaten her with a sword to the throat but Rainmaker zaps him with electricity and the leader of the Coda declares to Sarah, quote, I owe you my life. This then leads to a showdown between Captain Morgan and the Magistrix for custody of Daphne, who admits she does just want to go with her father but the laws of Dakota forbid it that is until Rainmaker reminds the magistrates that she is owed a life debt and makes Daphne's freedom her condition. Sarah gives Daphne a kiss on the forehead remarking to the shocked grunge and Caitlyn, quote, despite what you two are thinking, we're just friends. And so everything is wrapped up and as the Gen 13 team flies home, Lucius remarks to Daphne that he knew Caitlyn's father and that he went on the run to protect his children from the dangerous and evil men that were chasing them. So these three issues to me, really feel like the first Gen 13 story that mattered. Though it is very different from the standard stories taking place in various cities around the world involving usually government agencies or these shadow groups, you know, chasing Gen 13. Campbell obviously loved though this swashbuckling adventure style and would later do very similar things in his Danger Girl series. So, though the second issue was a letdown, this arc set the stage for the anything-can-happen nature of the series, which really kept me plugged in as a kid because I was like, what are they going to do next? You literally just don't know. And there actually are some surprises in store for issues 6 and 7, but we'll have to get to those in a future installment of the Gen 13 line. Before we close out here though, it should be mentioned that these three issues also had a backup story running through them by a cartoonist named Tom McWeeny, which apparently didn't go over well with readers. The third installment actually opens with caricatures of Jim Lee and J. Scott Campbell placing all the blame on McQueenie, who is drawn as the devil, (laughs) for disappointing the fans. This is actually really fun though. There are quite a few meta gags, including Grunge playing with Spawn action figures, and a behind-the-scenes look at the cover shoot for Wizard 44, which finds Mr. Lynch shouting, quote, We don't have time for any gratuitous cheesecake. We've got to get moving! And that is because the team has to start battling a robot that is rampaging through the city, but it's revealed at the end that it's actually Maul from Wildcats in armor? So though Fairchild dressed as a sexy Velma from Scooby-Doo, might be the first instance of that, she presents a theory about his turn to villainy. The big purple hunk reveals that he accidentally stepped on a tack, en route to a costume party and was blindly smashing buildings because he was in pain. So the rest of the Wildcats team shows up and for their efforts they reward Gen 13 with a case of Wildcats action figures. So yeah. Very fun stuff. I don't know why people were getting bent out of shape at the time. If you were a fan this just feels like it was the perfect Mad Magazine style send up of Gen 13. That does it for this installment of the Gen 13 line but uh, I don't think that's the last we'll hear from them in this episode so hey on to the next segment the top 10 comics Yes, so finally returning, right? If you remember last issue, they just gave us the top 13 comics, showed off all those Gen 13 number one covers, but here we're back with the official rankings and some new characters and books appearing on the list. So let's see what we got here. Number one is The X-Files. It seems those paranormal, hunting, conspiracy-blowing, alien-finding experts, Dana Scully and Fox Mulder have weaseled their way to the very top of the charts. Guess it really does pay to have some government connections. Apparently, the growing success and cult status of Fox's hit sci-fi thriller TV show has definitely helped Topps' keen comic. Heck, I know a guy who was so obsessed with the show that he welded the doors of his Dodge Charger shut, painted the whole thing bright orange, drank 87 gallons of moonshine, and oh, Oops, sorry, rug show. Some nifty storytelling and wicked art haven't hurt either. And for you Marvel fans out there who are wondering why Wolverine's not on the cover, get a grip. The only mutants you'll find in this puppy are three-headed alien freaks coming down to Earth to experiment on us lowly humans. But fear not, Scully and Mulder will get to him first. And we'll all be watching. The X-Files comic just being on the top of the chart, that blows my mind. Like, I know it was a big show, but then to have that crossover into comics? Alright. Number two is X-Men Alpha. Fan response to Marvel's Age of Apocalypse has been overwhelming, to say the least. And this baby is where it all begins. To tell you the truth, the art and story in Alpha are pretty spankin' good. Just don't tell Marvel we said that, okay? We gotta protect our rep. Here's the skinny. Legion goes back in time to assassinate Magneto, but ends up killing his dad, Professor X, instead. Which, in turn, means that Legion is never born. Which should mean that he was never able to go back in time in the first place, so he couldn't go back in time to kill his dad. Which means... (laughs) Ah! Head! Hurt! Anyway, what we're left with is a whole new world, just like in Aladdin, featuring a bunch of new X-Men who are fighting for their lives in a world they never made. Hot dog, we've been dying to fit that overused comic slogan in Wizard, and after four years, we did it! So, it's interesting, you know, as I look at this list now, what I realized is, you know, I rarely owned any of the comics in the top 10 list like whenever we post these on social media for you guys a lot of you were like oh yeah eight out of ten you know like you you had all these this is one of the few x-men alpha number one that i hung on to and then when they would have you know different issues of gen 13 of the ongoing series i might have had that but i didn't even have the variants of that so very rarely all right let's see what we got in the number three spot she number one What can be said about she that hasn't been said before? Probably nothing, seeing as how Bill Tucci's action-packed, thoughtfully written, babalicious assassin-starring, gorgeously drawn comic has been in the top 10 for like a gazillion months now. And if you haven't read it yet, go to it. But if you have, go read it again. And then, make sure you pick up the She-Syblade 2-issue crossover scheduled for this July and August, which pits together two of the hottest and deadliest assassins this side of Barry White. Huh? <laughs> hey, that guy gets all the babes. So if you want to get babes and plenty of them, read She. What more could you ask for in a comic? Yep, so, unfortunately, this is the highest that She ever gets onto the list, is number three. But, for those of you who loved it back in the day, if you hadn't heard that... Billy Tucci, She Omnibus, is finally out. So if you follow him on social media, you can get the details. But uh, we also talked to him on our interview, and he told us all about it. But I've seen the pictures now of the final printed piece, and it's pretty good looking. All right, number four is Lady Death, number one. The Queen of the Dead is still living high on the hog, thanks to her continual appearances in Evil Ernie's various miniseries, as well as her own pair of minis. But a bum What? <laughs> her own pair of minis. This particular popular miniseries, her first and far from from her last, tells the tale of a cute little chick named Hope, who ends up with no pupils, highly inflated bejubies, control of the dead, and a sizable load of strife. Yeah, there are a few steps somewhere in between, but I'll be damned if I'm gonna be the one to tell ya. It involves hell, Satan, angry townsfolk, and a whole bunch of good stuff like that, so go read it yourself. And when you're done with that, go check out Lady Death Between Heaven and Hell, her second very spiffy mini. Yep, so we have covered that on a mini episode, and, uh, the... Bad girl coverage is going to continue so just stay tuned. Number 5 here, no surprise, well, surprise that it's this far down the list, Gen 13 number 1 from the miniseries. Hey kids, welcome to the Gen 13 corner. On your right, you'll notice a newfangled variant cover to the first issue of our ongoing series. Quite a hoot that one was. Right next to us is our mini series first issue and just below us you'll see the second issue of that hot series. Yep, everything looks to be in order here. Well, I got two words for all of you fans out there, ENOUGH ALREADY. No, no, that's not what Adam, I'm just bitter because I'm shackled to my chair here at Wizard HQ every month and forced to come up with some original ways to say nice things about Gen 13. Not hard, you say? Try doing it each and every month for like a year. Then maybe you'll see why I did what I did. Why they all had to die. Now I, after eating their flesh, became... uh, Oh. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> Let's go to the next entry. Yep, Gen 13 number 6, the variants. And uh, they're particularly showing the Gen 13 bunch, Brady bunch parody here. Last month, we showcased all the 11 variant covers, which are all going for pretty high rates, to the first issue of this fun-filled comic series. So if you missed them, get bent. But it'll be neat to see if the first issue of the ongoing series actually surpasses the first issue of the mini series in value. Why, it'd be unprecedented. Speaking of unprecedentedness... That's in quotations, because that's not a word. Did you know that they really do eat french fries with mayonnaise over in Holland? And they eat them in a big paper cone. I wouldn't recommend getting the large size though, because halfway through that oil trap, you'll be projectile vomiting yellow and white rainbow all over the streets of Amsterdam. And while you're at it, try dipping your fries in some blue cheese. Now that's eaten. Although I will admit, fries and mayo delicious. Alright, now on to number seven, Gen 13 number two from the miniseries. Yep, it's hot. In other news, What's Happening was one of the greatest shows ever made. That show just cracks us up. We absolutely love the secret origin of the whole gang. You see, Raj was sitting on a seesaw at the playground when Rerun came over and sat on the other end, which caused Raj to fly up in the air and land in a sandbox where he met Dwayne. You just don't get entertainment like that on Seinfeld. And there's that other time when Rerun joined the cult that worshipped the head of lettuce. Us, and they made him shave his head and give them all his money uh, but then he overheard them making fun of him i get such a kick out of watching that fat boy squat so he wised up and killed them all with nerve gas great stuff yeah so obviously wizard 100 out of things to say about gen 13 just gonna talk about the sitcom what's happening not even what's happening now maybe that's gonna be next month all right number eight is weapon x Well looky here, it's one of them Age of Apocalypse books. Looks like even in a time-flipped universe, our main man Wolverine's still the best at what he does. It also appears that Logan finally gets to bag Gene now that he's only got one hand. Hmm, maybe Aquaman ought to give it a go. This series sees Logan and Gene team up with the human resistance over London to put an end to Apocalypse's rule, and while they're over in Europe, they head to France, where Jerry Lewis is king. Damn you, Apocalypse! And proceed to gut him like a fish. Hmm. I bet you that even in that Apocalypse Time Flip universe, the French would still surrender to anybody who was willing to listen. Damn frogs. <laughs> wow, wizard. Weapon X is one of the Age of Apocalypse titles I never tried out. I mean, of course, I went wanted to find out how wolverine lost his hand was that even answered in there i just don't know but here's another one i never read but definitely remember the visuals of number nine is x-man number one Gosh, this Age of Apocalypse thing is just out of control. This here X-Men guy is basically Cable as a teenager, seeing as how, in the true X-Reality, little Nate aged some 60 years and only like three or so of our years, it's only fair that we finally get to see the time-flip version of a grunged-out, whiny teenager. Here, Forge becomes a surrogate father to Nate and teaches him to one day destroy Apocalypse. The big pull here is that X-Men, which oddly enough sounds a lot like X-Men, is now a regular character in the Marvel Universe with his own comic and hey the time flip evil beast also made the transition to our universe though I can't take him too seriously seeing as how he looks like a big blue talking fir tree yeah so x-man he actually makes the cover of wizard eventually it was an issue I had a little bit of a hard time tracking down for a while there but it's in the archives now and I also uh, saw his action figure recently a marvel legends version but again not for me didn't bother to pick it up but number 10 finally here she number two you know for a great looking killer assassin she's not too swift i mean how's she supposed to sneak around in the shadows that's what those ninja types do and, he, and cut people's heads off when she's wearing all that white face paint you'd easily see her coming a mile away anyway this book's still hot and for the same reason she number one's so friggin hot it's also just as good as she number one so rather than waste your time over here i'll tell a joke there's this hamburger see and he walks into a bar and places an order and the bar looks him up and down and says, I'm sorry, we don't serve food here. Get it? Food? <laughs> Boy, do we give you your money's worth or what? <laughs> so there it is. Yes, uh, the top 10 list. Uh, you know, we used to get our laughs from the top 10 heroes and villains list, now sadly departed. But uh, it's good to know that Wizard is still getting a little punchy over in the top 10 comics list. Yep, that does it for another edition of Wizard's Half. Hope you had a fun time. Thanks for joining me here. I wanted to remind you that we've added quite a few videos over to the youtube page so if you're not subscribed to the wizards podcast youtube channel really recommend that you get over there i was bequeathed a huge collection of comics with some great issues from the 90s that i'm sure you recognize so there's a three-part series of that i also have gotten a chance to uh open up a box of overpower cards yes and go through the excitement or lack thereof that was inside but uh, that was a real fun video and i will tell you uh, if you're not yet subscribed to TRN TV, which is the Retro Network YouTube channel, I'd recommend you jump over there if you're not sick of hearing from me, because speaking of cards, I am now part of their Wax Pack Flashback Crew, which is a series where we open vintage trading card packs. Yes, oh, these days especially uh, going for high prices, but we're opening them up because that's how they were meant to be experienced, and we share our thoughts with you as we look through each card. We've got a couple up there right now that are involved. Power Rangers cards uh, from Power Rangers the movie, but I got a whole mess of superhero and comic book related trading cards that will start being opened up on that channel so it's something really cool that you could look forward to a little bit of extra content since the retro network has been so good to us to be our home of course you want to get in contact with us then find us over on twitter at wizards comics on instagram at wizards underscore comics and of course if you have some suggestions for the show feel free to drop us a line at wizards comics pod at gmail.com. and until next time, keep your books packed and ported. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.